Hi everybody, this is Milan Chavarker, nurse practitioner, and I'm going to be talking to you about making the most of your labs, a functional medicine perspective. So of course, I work in functional medicine, and I want to talk to you about sort of what typical labs are done and how you should be viewing those, what are some optimal levels, and I want to give you some review of some of the functional medicine tests that we're offering and um, their benefits in not only optimal wellness, but longevity. All right, let's get started. So I want to talk a little bit about the challenges in conventional medicine. Um, you know, this is the reason that I went into functional medicine. Um, you know, conventional medicine in the U.S. is really focused on disease. Um, we're not really focused enough on prevention. I think there's some efforts to do that, but um, it's really not a robust uh, focus on prevention. Uh, you know, I did family practice for 20 years and I was focused on what prescriptions do I give you? And um, you see this pile of pills in the picture next to, uh, next to the words. Um, that was what I did. I, I joke that I was a, a very good drug dealer. I gave out a lot of prescriptions. Um, I did focus on lifestyle, but I wish I had more time to focus on lifestyle. There needs to be more focus uh, on lifestyle in uh, medicine in the United States. Um, we've kind of divided up the body into different systems, cardiology, neurology, gynecology, um, and we're not really looking at an integration of the whole body. Um, we do in family medicine. I did family medicine, so I think I was better at understanding the connections between the different body systems, but um, there is a tendency to refer people to specialty medicine um, and, um, you know, treat that with prescriptions. Uh, there is a delay in research and uh, clinical, using that research into clinical practice, and it takes about 17 years. This is from the National Institutes of Health. And as you can tell, uh, I'm sure all of you are shocked that 17 years it takes to understand, to, to really um, change the way we do things. And I definitely see that um, in the 20 years I've done family practice, um, there's been very, very slow change. Uh, and we know that there's a lot of research on natural treatments. Uh, there are certainly lots of countries um, that use an integrative model and not only focus on sort of the latest in technology and pharmaceuticals, but also integrate natural herbs, supplements, and treatments into their protocols. Um, this is not the case in the United States, and I think it's due to the economics of the health industry, our insurance industry, and uh, pharmaceutical industry. So, um, you know, there isn't much incentive to give people supplements and natural treatments, and many of those aren't covered on insurance when they may be a better, uh, there might be better outcomes from those than prescriptions. So what is functional medicine? Functional medicine is an individualized, patient-centered, science-based approach that empowers patients and practitioners to work together. And we are looking at the underlying causes of disease, root cause analysis, and we're promoting optimal wellness. It's not just about keeping you alive, it's about keeping you well and living long. Um, it requires a detailed understanding of your genetic, biochemical, and lifestyle factors and leveraging that data to come up with a personalized treatment plan that's 
you know, individualized for you and improving your outcomes. Uh, for more information, I always tell people to go to IFM.org. I am a certified uh, practitioner of functional medicine through IFM, and um, it has uh, been just an amazing journey to see how functional medicine has truly changed people's lives and improved their health and just, you know, seeing people feel better and um, be healthier um, using sort of fu functional medicine practices. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what we're doing in conventional medicine. So um, let's look at what tests are typically done in your doctor's office. Um, we're going to get a complete blood count, chemistry panel, lipid panel, maybe a thyroid test, a, a thyroid stimulating hormone. And if you're uh, most likely going to get a hemoglobin A1C to check for diabetes. Um, <clears throat> when I started, we used to do these tests sort of at age 40. When you were young, we just said, oh, you're fine. You don't need any lab tests. Um, that isn't the case nowadays. We're seeing a huge increase in metabolic disease, diabetes. And so I think everyone is getting tested more often and at a younger age. Uh, we are doing screenings uh, in uh, for younger kids now and teens. Um, we used to do tests, you know, every three to five years. I see that we are increasing that um, to like every two, one to two or three years. Uh, but I think these, these basic tests um, should be do, done routinely for everyone. And of course, that needs to be determined between um, the practitioner and uh, the clinical practice, uh, clinical practitioner and the patient to determine how often. Um, and it really depends on your lifestyle, your background, your history, uh, your family history, how often you're going to do these tests. Um, and these are just the tip of the iceberg. These are just some tests. Um, these are basic tests that can tell you what's going on with your health. But I have a better list, which I use. And, um, you know, everybody's, uh, everybody's different. But uh, in functional medicine, we're doing an expanded blood test. Um, and this includes looking at anemia. I think, uh, you know, your complete blood count might miss the boat on your iron stores. And iron is a very important piece of a lot of chemical reactions. Your cholesterol panel, uh, your lipid panel, the basic lipid panel, and we're going to talk about this a little bit, is your total cholesterol, your LDL and HDL. An advanced lipid panel is going to give you more information than that. Uh, inflammatory markers, uh, C-reactive protein, sed rate, and homocysteine. Uh, thyroid test, uh, I do extensive thyroid testing because sometimes people have uh, a clinical picture and uh, have subclinical thyroid disease. Glucose and sensitivity, I add an insulin. I also add vitamin markers, vitamin D. Uh, we're going to talk about some other testing where I check for vitamin Bs. Vitamin B, Bs are very important to a lot of chemical reactions. Uh, hormone testing, you know, not routinely done. Usually, uh, even if you have some hormonal dysfunction, might not be done in a typical gynecology office. Uh, but I do think hormones are very important and understanding them uh, can be key to longevity. And um, there are blood tests for heavy metals and toxins. Uh, those aren't routinely done in conventional medicine. Uh, we can do them in functional medicine. They can be ordered through your typical lab. Uh, and then we also have some uh, specialized labs that, uh, where you can get uh, heavy metal and toxin testing. So let's talk about op optimal lab values. I, I think this is an important conversation. 
We typically uh, tell patients, oh, this is the minimum level. Well, none of us want to be minimal people. I think we want to be maximal people, max, maximum people. We want to live our life to the maximum. So we want to live our life optimally. So how are we going to, um, you know, live, how are we going to understand our labs and then shoot for labs that are going to give you better, uh, better results uh, long-term? So the A1C test is sort of your uh, diabetes test. It tells you about sugar that's attached to your red blood cells over the last three months. Um, it's used to diagnose diabetes. Uh, the problem with this test is that by the time you have an abnormal A1C, you've probably been insulin resistant or glucose intolerant for about 10 to 20 years. So uh, it's not the greatest test to be doing. Uh, you know, it really doesn't give you more of a what's happening. It's, it's like what's happened in the past and how you've probably accumulated this insulin resistance issue. And insulin might be, an, you know, give you a little more added uh, data point into how your body's responding to glucose in the body. And so typically reference ranges for insulin are 2.6 to 24.9, but research has pretty much identified seven as the cutoff for an increase in future risk of metabolic syndrome and diabetes. So insulin would be an, uh, something that I add to look at the, you know, glucose intolerance picture. Um, I think we need some more tests on this. Obviously, if uh, insulin resistance has been around for 10 to 20 years before you get an elevated A1C, we need something showing dysfunction in glucose and insulin much earlier. And insulin is one of those. Um, and I think we're going to see more in the future about this. Another lab value I'd like to get is a lipid panel. And um, there's some <clears throat> new lipid panels out there. They're called the advanced lipid panel. Uh, <clears throat> an example of this is the uh, cardio IQ, excuse me. <clears throat> the cardio IQ is, um, has some other lipoproteins. So the Cardio IQ has some other lipoproteins that you can look at to understand if you may have, uh, you know, risk for cardiovascular disease. Uh, sometimes you'll get a normal cholesterol. You'll see somebody with normal levels, like in the green here, and they have some abnormalities in other lipoproteins. So uh, the, it, I think we're going to see more about the advanced lipid panel in the future. Uh, people are going to do uh, the advanced lipid panel more in the future. Right now, it might not be covered on insurance. But uh, for now, I definitely want to encourage people to start getting into the green zone. Uh, when I started practice, I remember uh, 240 was okay for total cholesterol. And of course, now we've come down to under 200 as being heart healthy. And why is cholesterol important? Because it helps, um, it helps your body perform many important functions. So cholesterol is important. You don't want your cholesterol to be zero. Uh, but too much cholesterol is bad for you. It can enter the artery wall, damage the integrity, and lead to the formation of plaques, which can rupture and cause heart attacks and strokes. So being in the green zone is important. Uh, and, you know, HDL, I want to make a comment on HDL. HDL is an independent risk factor for cardiovascular disease. So if your HDL is low and you're in the green zone for LDL and total cholesterol, 
uh, it's something to really work on and HDL can be improved by exercise. But I've seen some people genetically have a really tough time raising HDL. So it's something to really talk to your, uh, you know, primary care provider about. Don't let it go. Uh, even if your other factors are in the green, you definitely want to work on your HDL if possible. Another lab test that's not often done in conventional medicine, there's been some debates on it, is the CRP, the C-reactive protein, which is an indicator of inflammation. It's a protein released by the liver. And anything above one is abnormal. It can indicate an autoimmune disorder, uh, infections. I've seen elevated CRPs in people who are overweight. Um, so this is, inflammation is bad. We don't want inflammation in the body. This is affecting other body systems. And so uh, when we see an elevated C-reactive protein, we need to work on inflammation. And we're looking for subclinical infections as well. Homocysteine is an amino acid that's produced in the body as a byproduct of methylation. We're going to hear more about methylation, more and more. Uh, methylation is really important for a lot of chemical processes, uh, cell reactions, reactions in the cell. And um, it's been a recognized risk factor for cardiovascular disease. It has negative effects on vascular endothelial integrity, and it promotes oxidative stress or DNA damage. So, um, you know, elevated homocysteine, we used to consider 15, but now 10, anything above 10 is of concern. And um, homocysteine can, is related to your B vitamins and eating green leafy vegetables, beets, spinach uh, are, are ways to kind of combat this. Also a test that's not often done in your conventional setting. A thyroid is typically, thyroid level is usually done. This is the thyroid stimulating hormone. This is our basic lab. Like I said, I tend to do uh, free T3, free T4, and antibodies for thyroid uh, just to get a fuller picture of how thyroid is working. And, and you know, it's an important thing to understand. Look, look how many things the thyroid does metabolism, weight, body temperature, mood, muscle control, digestion, growth, brain function and development, heart function, all important things. And the problem we see is people who have like a level of three or four think it's normal. And really the, the research shows that we really should be somewhere between 0.45 and 2.5. I really like patients to be around two, uh, either below two or, you know, 2.5 is okay, but really two would be my cutoff. Um, and so anyone who's like above two, I'm kind of checking to see what's going on with the thyroid. Um, is there inflammation? Is there some clinical thyroid disease going on? And is there something we should be doing about it? Another lab test that is now being done, um, I started doing vitamin Ds a long time ago. I had a patient who came in, very young woman in her 20s. Uh, she was telling me she just didn't have any energy. And um, she was, in retrospect, realized she was vegan and she didn't, she was quite pale. She didn't go out in the sun. Um, and I kind of did all the basic tests. Everything was normal. I did iron studies. You know, I tried to look for what I thought might be causing a lack of energy. And I stumbled on an article about vitamin D. And sure enough, I tested her vitamin D and um, we treated her and she got better. And now it's become in vogue to, to check for vitamin D. Vitamin D is 
really a hormone and it is so important for immune system, insulin sensitivity, hormones, neurotransmitters, and calcium absorption in the bones. So it is, you know, through sort of animal products and sunlight exposure. So um, this young lady didn't have either of those and, and probably was, and it was the cause of her symptoms. We now know uh, ideal levels are somewhere between 40 and 80. I'm really shooting for 50 to 60 nanograms per milliliter. Uh, your lab test may show below 20 as a problem, but really uh, you need above 40 at least um, to prevent any issues. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about functional medicine testing. Uh, <clears throat> right now, we, we talked about sort of lab tests that can be done at a typical lab company like LabCorp or Quest and um, some of the expanded labs that are available there. These tests are not available typically through uh, your big lab companies and are ordered through functional lab companies. And I really feel these are the future of medicine. Um, we have our stool microbiome testing, uh, nutritional testing, food sensitivity, cortisol, hormone, and genetic testing. So let's go over all that. Uh, before I do that, I want to remind you that uh, food is medicine. And um, everything starts in the body with good nutrition. That's sort of, if you look at a lot of uh, traditional medicinal systems, they all look at the gut system and food as the key to health. And that's where functional medicine is. I think we're taking from those other uh, traditions and we are starting with the gut and, and making sure there's some key elements there with nutrition. It's, you need good food sources. You need whole foods, organic foods, um, and you wanna avoid toxins in your foods. So if you're doing like the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15, that'd be a great way to kind of, you know, start eliminating uh, toxins. Uh, the other issue is, is, okay, once you put the food into your body, how is it getting digested? Are we taking the time to chew? Are we, you know, do we have enough enzymes? And then once it's broken down, is it getting absorbed by your intestinal system? And then once it's absorbed, is it getting where it needs to go? into the cells where they can be utilized and the cells can function the way they need to function. So this is kind of the foundation of, of where we start in functional medicine. And when we start doing our testing, it starts around the GI system. And that's because it's critical to our nutrient absorption and it's linked, the GI system is linked to the immune system, hormones, mood, brain function. We know the gut microbiome is key to so many other body systems and um, you know, feeding that gut microbiome, making sure it's healthy is going to be an important part of healing. One of the first tests that I do is the GI360. This is a test for a stool test. We, you can see here on the sample report page, we're looking at the gut microbiome. Is it abundant? Is it diverse? Is there any dysbiosis? Is there more bad stuff than good stuff? Um, do we have infection in the stool, uh, stool test? Is there inflammation, inflammatory markers? Are foods getting digested? And overall, how is the intestinal health of this person? So once we have this data, we can really understand how the digestive system is working and then give it the things that it needs to work properly. 
Once the digestive system is working properly, we know that things will improve. And then we can understand wh where do we need to improve things? Is there nutrients that are insufficient or deficient? And how is that affecting the health and, and disease of this person? And then we can do the nutrition testing by looking at byproducts from cellular reactions to understand what are the nutrient needs. And one of my favorite tests is uh, Genova's NutriVal. Um, it's a blood and urine test. We check for vitamins, nutrients, antioxidants, the mighty mitochondria. Those the mitochondria are what give your cells energy. How lipids are being metabolized? Are there any toxins? How is methylation going? And then looking at digestion and absorption. Um, it's, it's a great way to understand now that we fix the gut, is the gut doing what it needs to be doing? Uh, this is another way to test for that and then to also look for the deficiencies and the insufficiencies that need to be addressed. And it's all about what's happening at the cellular level. Another easy test we can do to improve gut function and uh, inflammation and um, immunity is looking at food sensitivity. Um, we've all heard of food allergies. Allergies is when you have a se severe reaction. You might be short of breath, you're swelling. A lot of people have peanut allergies. But uh, food sensitivities is a milder reaction. And um, some of the symptoms might be bloating, post-nasal drip, or joint pain, gas, abdominal issues, loose stool. Sometimes people don't even realize that it's something that they ate. They just think they're off. Um, the gut gets inflamed with eating foods that it's sensitive to, and it causes a leaky gut or intestinal permeability, which leads to inflammatory symptoms because toxins enter through that leaky gut or those gaps in the intestinal barrier and um, causes systemic-wide inflammation. So food sensitivities can be a really powerful way to correcting uh, gut issues and then uh, inflammation in the body. Now, we're still understanding, just like gut microbiome, we're really at the beginning infancy stage of a lot of this testing. And so um, I use this test called the ALCAT test. Um, 15 foods or more of sensitivities, you can see the severe, moderate, and mild sections indicates that this person has intestinal permeability and it's affecting their health. Um, once we remove the foods, we see there's a lot of healing that occurs um, because uh, these reactions are no longer occurring, the gut can heal, and um, the immune reactions that were happening uh, are gone. So, um, you know, it might be hard, but we typically avoid the foods in the red, orange, and yellow list for somewhere between three to six months, and we see a significant change in people's health. Now, does this mean that they have to eliminate these for life? I don't think so. I, I think right now this is causing a reaction, and I have people eliminate the food for a short period of time, and then we can try it out again and see one by one if there's any reactions to the food. And like I said, there's not a lot of consensus around these food sensitivity testings, so um, you know, sometimes you'll even get some different results depending on the test. Um, and it's all in its infancy stage as we use it, but it has been a really helpful tool for me to see patients uh, benefit from avoiding the foods in some of these lists. Another thing that we can test for is hormones. Um, we can look at the metabolites in urine of hormones that are being processed in the body. 
This is a great way to understand um, metabolism. Uh, the Dutch test uh, by Precision Analytical also includes some other neuron, uh, neurotransmitter and melatonin information. Um, the great thing is this is perfect for clients who have endometriosis or PCOS or estrogen issues or, uh, you know, aren't getting pregnant. So um, I use this test a lot to understand uh, what's happening with the hormone. And so here's an example of what that looks like. Uh, this is our overview page. It shows you sort of on a dial, what are the levels of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, cortisol, and um, what is the pattern of that cortisol? We can see the metabolism pathways. This is pretty powerful for understanding the different estrogen types, the different metabolites. The 4-OH metabolite of uh, estrogen can be uh, can cause DNA damage, so it is a factor in um, you know cancers and breast cancer. So I always look out for this. I look at how you're methylating. There's um, some information on methylation pathways, and so these. This data can be really helpful in understanding if estrogen is getting recycled. Um, is it doing what it needs to be doing? Is there too much? Is there too little? And if you do it over a month, you can see how it fluctuates throughout the month. And another piece to this uh, Dutch test is the cortisol. Uh, cortisol is a reflection of stress. It's our stress hormone. It regulates metabolism and our immune system. Uh, there's a little uh, top page where it talks, a little top part of the page where it talks about melatonin, which is critical for sleep and our circadian rhythms. Um, melatonin is also a really powerful antioxidant. Uh, so cortisol is our sort of one of our uh, hormones released uh, when we're, you know, in fight or flight. So, you know, you've probably heard of fight or flight where, um, you know, there's a lion chasing you and your body goes into into sympathetic mode where you release hormones so that you can run from that lion, you know, conserve your energy, have glucose ready. Um, and uh, so with cortisol, you see changes in insulin, glucose goes up. And um, this is, you know, basically so that you can get away from this lion. Well, today's lion is, you know, your terrible boss or the traffic that you just uh, sat in for an hour to get to work and uh, your body still has those same responses to the stress and when the stress is imbalanced then this is a problem because it impacts all the other systems in the body including your immune system and one of the tests we can do is to look at how you respond in the morning your cortisol should rise within 30 minutes of waking if this rise happens too late or it happens too early or it's uh, not enough, you're going to see that in the way you feel. Um, you know, there's patients who have, a, you know, dramatic decrease, uh, can't wake up and, and their cortisol is really low, like the second page. And then the one for other one might be the cortisol is super high and they have palpitations. So this, this is helpful information. Um, sometimes people say to me, oh, I don't feel stressed. And uh, then I do this test and sure enough, their cortisol is through the roof. And I'm like, well, you, you said you're not feeling stressed. Well, everybody's stressed. That's what my 
you know, one of my patients said to me, well, everybody's stressed, you know, what am I going to do complaining about it? Um, you know, I have issues with my family and, you know, but, you know, I try not to let it get to me. Well, it's, she's, you know, feeling like she's not stressed or she's saying, well, it's not impacting me. But as you can see, if you have this kind of pattern, you have really elevated cortisol, it's impacting your health and uh, you may not be uh, seeing it that way, but it's definitely, you know, doing some, wreaking some havoc on your body. So um, this is an important test. And I think also to connect the mind and the body and to realize, oh, this underlying issue is impacting my health. And what do I need to do? What do I need to do to change that? Another piece of the puzzle is epigenetics, and this is the expression of your genes, and genes are your chromosomal blueprint that you receive from your parents. Um, they are set in stone. However, how those are expressed are not, and genes are turned on and off depending on what's happening in the environment. So there's a lot of change um, that you can affect into your body by changing the expression of genes. Now, you know, maybe you've done 23andMe or Ancestry.com, you can take that data and we can um, put it through some software and analyze, you know, what specific genes uh, are doing. And that is helpful to us so we can understand how that's impacting your health. Um, I always, you know, I always feel that uh, this is the future of medicine and that we will be taking in genes and gene data more and more and applying it to how we're going to treat people. One example of genetic testing, especially for me in the fertility world, is um, checking for methylation issues. And MTHFR is one of the genes. There's many, many genes that affect methylation. And of course, methylation is a key component to our cellular functions throughout the body. So, um, you know, this is uh, a te one test. And of course, you can see the whole panel there of all the different methylation genes. So, of course, our body's smart, has lots of genes to regulate lots of things. And so, uh, but if you have a, a, a sort of predisposition to issues, you probably would see more reds here. Um, and that may be something that needs to be addressed through supplement or, you know, we, we, we figure out what would be the action we would take to influence how your genes are being expressed. So um, this is another, uh, you know, piece that I think you're going to see and hear more and more about. Now, I want to talk, kind of review what we talked about and how functional medicine is really looking at the root cause analysis of what's happening to you. Um, we're taking in different data from your GI function, um, your thyroid hormones, adrenal glands, what you're eating, uh, taking in a nutrition evaluation, food sensitivity panel, and then your genes and kind of understanding um, how that's going to impact health. And that's what we do in functional medicine. We're trying to change the conversation. I do believe the body has incredible healing powder power. And so, you know, my job is to help you nudge it in that direction. Sometimes uh, it's a little off kilter because of whether it's stress or food, whatever it is, or our lifestyle. Um, and how can we make those changes to uh, get the body to heal and improve our longevity, our health, optimal wellness and longevity. So that's kind of what we're here to do in functional medicine. And um, I hope uh, you got a lot of information about how you can look at your labs, how you can 
uh, optimize your health by uh, optimizing your labs and looking at some functional medicine testing that might be helpful for you in understanding your body, uh, connecting your mind and body, and um, really improving your health in the long run. And if you have any other questions, reach out to us at info at lotusintegrativehealth.com. And there's my number, 408-337-2767. We are located in Silicon Valley in the Bay Area, California. Um, I am working with people uh, out of the country. I'm also licensed in California, Arizona, Washington, and soon Oregon. So if you're interested in working with me, um, you know, please reach out. Uh, the specialties that I have right now are women's health, uh, specifically menopause and fertility, but I'm also working with all kinds of people. Uh, I work with men, um, anybody who needs help there and can provide this kind of analysis and um, the herbs, supplements, or prescriptions that you need in order to change your health. Thank you so much.